you're looking for a great mortgage guy right now, don't look any further than Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095, or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Why should you contact Gabe Winslow? Well, for one thing, he's been a great sponsor for this podcast from the very beginning. And on the strength of that sponsorship, we have had dozens of our listeners reach out, do deals with Gabe, and come back raving about the level of service that they received, both in terms of the actual deal, the rate that they got versus the market, but also the ethics and the collaboration, frankly, that Gabe offered in doing that deal. Uh, Gabe is looking to do right by you and in, in so doing, hoping you'll, you'll circle back and do another deal with him down the road. I think it's the smart way to do business and that is how he does it. And I appreciate that. It is why he's our sponsor. It's why I've partnered with him and it's why I'm proud to call him our lender of choice. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. If he's not your first call, you better make darn sure he's your last call. Take care. Why I use a knife? Guns are too quick. You can't savor all the little emotions. And you see, in their last moments, people show you who they really are. So, in a way, I know your friends better than you ever did. Would you like to know which of them were cowards? All right, Ian, we are tasked with talking about the University of Texas defensive backs, 2022, year of our Lord. This is going to be an interesting discussion because I think we're going to have quite a few, uh, I don't knows, and we think, and maybe, perhaps, and... Uh, we have some strong suspicions and instincts on some of these guys. On other guys, frankly, we just don't know. And we'll find out when there's live action. I think there's a great upside for this group. I also think there's a potential downside where they could be, you know, potentially a weakness you have, they have to work around. Your thoughts? I think, we, I think we might end up disagreeing some on some of these guys. We'll see. Uh, I think just from our brief conversation before you hit record, I think I'm more optimistic in general on the DBs, but I do think they might be one, one piece away from being really good. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I think we're one, I think Texas is one injury away from, from being, being bad from being, well, I don't know if bad, but not good. Is that fair? Um, Depends on the injury. Right. I yeah, I think that depends on uh freshmen that we'll surely talk about very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, should we start positionally? Uh go cornerback safety? Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So the most proven commodity in the secondary is Deshaun Jameson. He's coming back for his fifth year. And you know, Jameson has been up and down in his Longhorn career. He's cer certainly shown big play potential. Uh, he's an explosive guy. He's also, at times in his career, been picked on. I thought last year he tackled better. I thought that aspect and facet of his game improved. But I didn't see the 
read routes, look at the quarterback, watch a pattern develop, jump a route, make a huge play. Happened once, but I didn't see a ton of that from him last year. I'm wondering if year two in Pete Kwiatkowski's scheme will kind of free him to feel a little more instinctive in attacking the ball in the air. There's that. There's also the contract here. Yeah. Like he had last year, and then he – I don't remember if he even submitted his name for consideration or or tested the waters at all, or if it was just like, no, dude, it's not going to happen. You better go back. Yep. So I, that kind of urgency is always pretty valuable in an athlete that lacks some fine-tuning and focus. So there's that. I think they're also moving him positionally. Uh, they're playing boundary and field this season. And they're going to put him in the field. Hmm. So he has space to uh, play off a little bit and try to read things and play poacher um, and off coverage. And whether they're too high or single high, I think he'll just kind of be sitting back and letting things happen in front of him and trying to jump stuff. So I think that's a good fit. If he takes the... NFL opportunity really seriously, learns to study film a little better. Maybe he's able to anticipate and jump some routes. Maybe he has the five, six interception season that we've all expected from him for a long time based on his early flashes and that has, has not materialized. That'd be, that'd be pretty optimistic. I don't know if it'll be like that, but that'd be I, would lo- I would love that. Uh, for the listener, just because we're going to be using this, particularly in talking about the corners, Let's yeah. define field, field and, you know, or also the boundary corner, as it's typically called. So the hash marks in college football are much wider than in the NFL. If the ball, if the um, ball is downed outside the hash marks on a play, which is pretty common, um, the center snaps the ball in the next play on the hash mark. So you end up with, a lot of disparity between one side of the center and the other side on one side, the field side, there is the space between the hash marks and then the space outside the hash marks, which is two thirds of the field. Right. Um, or I don't know, two thirds of the field, more or less. Lots of field that a good, a good, uh, a good hint. If you hear that phrase and you're not a you know, football person field means what it sounds like. There's a big field. That guy's got to cover. Boundary. Yeah, so boundary, the other side of the hash mark, there's less space because you you don't have the space in between the hash marks in addition to the space outside the hash marks. You just have the space from the hash marks to the sideline. So it's called you're closer to the boundary. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So typically, and this is a, a gross generalization, but typically your best cover guy is the field corner. Pure coverage. But no, I wouldn't say that. No, no. Interesting. Because, because the field, you have so much more space. I mean, I've, TCU did that some, but. Well, I'm talking about classic man-to-man coverage. No, Let, no. So you think that the safety is going to be naturally over the top on the field side? Whereas you your want, boundary- yeah, you want to be able to roll your safety to the field side. Okay. Because in the teams, <clears throat> this is much more common. I mean, since since the spread took over, 
teams will put three receivers to the wide side of the field. And then you have to figure out how to cover them without leaving your linebackers in space. And so most of the tricks for handling that involve rolling the boundary side safety over to help to the field. And if you're going to do that, your boundary corner needs to be able to play man coverage. So a lot, a, a good chunk of the base trips coverage defenses that teams use, whether they're playing too high or single high, ask the boundary corner to play man-to-man coverage. And because he's closer to the quarterback, the throw is shorter. So like a, a, a weaker-armed college quarterback may be able to complete different throws, like a back shoulder throw or a really precise slant or whatever. He might be able to hit those to a boundary receiver that he couldn't hit to a field receiver. So you end up having to play tighter coverage in the boundary in order to take away both of those two things. So I, I would say if you have a if you have a really good man coverage corner, you want him in the boundary because then you can just eliminate this easy cheat code that colleges offenses use for offense and you can roll your safety or or you can eliminate the easy throws that the quarterback likes to make, the timing throws. What do you think? Yeah, so it's interesting. There are so a lot of teams, depending on what they do with their their corners and their safeties and their just, you know, um, it's a lot of it's coverage related, frankly. It's it's actually um, it's philosophical, right? Some guys, some teams, you know, so a classic. Well, there's also kind of like a travel corner, you know, for the NFL where yeah. they're going to travel with a receiver. But typically that travel corner will often be a field corner as well. So uh, a Darrell Revis type guy. The NFL is just a totally different ball game. It is. Yeah. The hash marks are different and the players have their professionals so they can learn their, they can learn more than one position more easily without having to know a million different checks and alignment leverage things. Yep. That's fair. Um, Would you say that the boundary corner has to be, a better tackler necessarily, or do you think it, it's sort of both tack, both corners need to be able to tackle well? I think probably the boundary corner. Yeah. He's just, he needs to be an all around dude. He either needs to be a really good in coverage so that you can use that boundary safety wherever you need him, either bringing him up in the box to tackle or shading him to the field, or he needs to be really big and physical so that, if you keep if you have to keep the safety over the top, at least you're getting something out of him as a as a tackler and run support on a corner blitz, what have you. Yeah, that's it's an interesting point. And it's kind of almost like left tackle and right tackle on offensive linemen. There used to be a very clear distinction in, well, you gotta have a great left tackle, and then your right tackle. It's 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 kind of fading at the NFL level. Whereas I seem, it seems to still be more of a thing in, in college. Um, ideally, you want two good tackles, right? But, you know, there's, there used to be this huge thing of you have to have a left tackle to match up with the pass rushers who are going to be over there. And now that people move people around, you know, there's all sorts of other stuff. It's, it's lost some of its – I mean, right tackles used to make 70% of the paycheck of a left tackle. And now that's, that's starting to equalize. So it's kind of interesting uh, just seeing how football – 
transforms because there there was a period where the field corner was perceived as your best cover guy might not be your best overall corner but um it also depends on your system right what what is richard sherman yeah that's probably probably be before spread offense really took hold yeah and also the, the hash marks in college really affect it as well doesn't don't they yeah i think in the nfl in general because there's only so many guys in the world who can play quarterback at a high level but they're disproportionately in the NFL, obviously. So like in college, you know, everything is generally more run centric, except at the highest levels. Um, and the, the blindside rush is probably a bigger concern for the college quarterback than the NFL guy who's going to have better pocket presence and know how to get the ball out and all that. Yep. So let's talk about that boundary corner, Ryan Watts. He's going to be the guy, it looks like. He was, I mean, from my viewing, he seemed to be Ohio State's number three corner last year, but then he might have earned some, like, starter snaps, and I wasn't sure if that was injury or a matchup thing, or I don't know. What, what was your take on what you saw from him at Ohio State? I thought he looked pretty good at Ohio State early, and then they settled in on some other guys. I think what happened to him is that uh, I've talked to a few Ohio State people about this. It seems that what happened to him was that he was recruited by Jeff Halfley to be a Richard Sherman. Mm. So he'd be playing cover three and press bail and stuff that was more suited to someone who's six three and big. Yep. Um, and then Halfley left for uh, Boston College, right? And uh, they moved to more like press man coverage. And they had other guys that were a little better, a little stickier in press man coverage than he is. That's not really – he's good in press coverage, but he's also good playing off. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it just uh, six, three guys, it's really tough to consistently line up across somebody, like, right in their face and keep up with them. Um, I don't know if that's really – his. I think he's solid at it, but I don't think that's really his game. Um, and I think they were actually even considering moving him to safety, partially because of um, their needs at that position. And he was just like, no way, I'm out of here. This is not going like I thought. But I thought he was I thought he was solid at Ohio State. He was not one of their better press man corners, and that's why he wasn't playing. And so that's why he's available for Texas. Yeah, I think he's going to be interesting situationally. I'll be very interested to see how Kwiatkowski deploys him, how Terry Joseph deploys him, what they do. I mean, I would I would think they're going to try to use his size. I mean, you want him to get his hands on people and and maul them at the line of scrimmage, reroute them, harass them. Uh, but then you need another different set of skills to cover slot receivers. And that is where the nickel position comes in. This has become one of the most important positions on your defense in the modern era of, of college football, certainly. Uh, this is, there was not long ago, Ian, where your nickel was just your third best cornerback. Sometimes your third best safety, depending on your philosophy. If you want to go real old school, it was your outside linebacker, <laughs> you know, flexed out on a slot receiver. We I got to watch that in 1991 when the Miami Hurricanes uh, played played Texas, and we uh, walked out our 245 pound outside linebacker on their nickel. The, I mean, I saw it didn't that, go well. I saw that live in 2000 and uh, 
six in Austin when Ohio State came to town. Yeah. Yeah, not good stuff, but the nickel has really become important. And Jade Barron looks like a young potential star. Uh, yeah. He certainly, <laughs> Texas had to re-recruit him again like he was a star recently. <laughs> uh, glad he's sticking around. You and I both liked what we saw of him in snippets last year when they played him at corner. And uh, he's just a talented guy. He moves well. He has good reaction speed. He's very quick. He seems instinctive. Those are the traits you want in a nickel. If Jade Barron can lock down that position, how much does that help Kwiatkowski, this defense, and their ability to use safeties to really help the corners? Yeah, it's immense. Uh, or to help the run, right? Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, defense is kind of defined by who you have in the nickel. If you have a linebacker there or like a bigger safety guy, that necessarily means you have to keep a safety over the top of him. And if you're doing that, then that safety is not somewhere else, right? It just gets very simple. You uh, you put yourself in a box if you don't have versatile coverage on how you can play the slot receiver with your nickel. And uh, Texas had that limitation last year. I, it seemed like with Anthony Cook, like they should be pretty versatile, but they were not. They did not ask Anthony Cook to do very much in coverage. So it, honestly, they might as well have played base defense all year because there's no point in shading a smaller defensive back like Anthony Cook out there unless he was going to be able to carry a receiver without a lot of help, but he didn't. Anyway, uh, Barron, Barron was at arguably the best corner on the team last year, honestly. Yeah. And that was very limited snaps, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a, a basketball player who, who plays 12 minutes a game and just freaking crushes it, dominates. And you're like, wow, if you, if you played him 36 minutes, he would triple his stats. And it's like, no, actually it doesn't work that way. Uh, so we'll see on Baron, but he did enough to turn heads. And then he did enough in the off season. He did enough in the spring that he basically guaranteed himself a starting position. Uh, And so the question, the the question was, is his best deployment at corner or at nickel? And with Watts coming in, they felt freed that they could put Baron at nickel. I think it's at nickel because um, if he's at nickel and he can play some man coverage on the slot, first of all, you're eliminating a lot of easy offense because uh, the slot is so close to the quarterback. Yep. There's, it's just an easy, it's too easy for the quarterback Um, secondly, if your nickel can, uh, carry a receiver deep and he doesn't constantly have to have two deep safeties to help him out and you can mix in single high coverages more consistently then you can drop a safety down in the box, which is good for not only Texas's run defense, but also Texas's safeties. I don't know if they have particularly good too high safeties, but they might have safeties that are good um, when they if they can play in a more limited uh, alley of space. We'll get to that more later. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, one of the popular things in the spread, and you've written about it, is the slot fade, slot streak, using your slot receiver not just as a short, quick-moving chain mover, right, for quick shots, but actually a deep threat because. Some of those slot routes, if you can get, you know, single coverage on that nickel, so those slot routes are easy to see. They are between the hashes, 
And that's an easy college football throw for a quarterback. The slot fade is one of the most devastating plays in the book because the slot receiver has so much space outside he can run. So for the quarterback to throw him open into open grass is so easy because there's so much grass because yep. he's closer to the middle of the field. If your nickel can handle that without help, it just really you it's you're just eliminating a lot of easy. It's like eliminating the corner three in basketball through some, you know, because because you have Giannis and he gets there in a second because he's so fast and long. It just makes things much harder. Yep. Well, speaking of basketball, there's a dude who's uh, built like a basketball player, at least when he came to Texas. And I mean, a, a basketball player with a tapeworm. We think Xavier Worthy skinny. Jameer Johnson from Cali came to Texas. He, he's a corner. And he didn't get to play his senior year. And he was very skinny. In fact, you can find old measurements of him at a Nike camp when he's like a junior in high school. And I think he's like 147 pounds. Again. Oh. But I think he's up to a robust 170 now. So he's ready for major college football. I actually heard good things about Jameer Johnson um, this offseason. But I'm not sure if they were the sort of good things like you didn't expect something from the person. And then he was competent. So you go, oh, wow, yeah, Jameer Johnson. Or was it more, oh, Jameer Johnson's actually good. I, I don't know, and we'll find out in the fall. But he is going to be perhaps important depth, depending on how some other things shake out with his unit. I don't know. Nayar didn't have too much trouble with him in the spring game. No, he didn't. That's not, a, that's not the worst thing in the world to be beaten by a, by what, a fourth-year player who's might be drafted next year. I, I think, Nate, I mean, you and I covered still. this in the wide receiver believers podcast. Nayor's real, man. Uh, Nayor is real. So uh, we'll, we'll see on Jameer. We just don't know. We don't have enough data points. And the same applies to three other corners that are in this room. Well, two of them are not in the room at the moment. They're in detention. They're in, they're in a timeout. One is in the room. That's Terrence Brooks. Uh, Brooks was an early enrollee. Look, he didn't have a great spring game, at least as a tackler. That's fine. He's supposed to be a high school senior right now. We'll, we'll see how he develops. But Ishmael Ibrahim and Jalen Gilbo, both of them are effectively suspended right now or not with the team. I don't know the formal discipline that's been imposed, but Jalen uh, can't drive 55. <laughs> and Ishmael Ibrahim had another issue after having one had a, had one in high school, which people were saying, you know, is uncharacteristic and give him a shot. Um, obviously, we wish the best for best. We wish the best for both of them. But that is needed depth if Texas has issues, uh, not just at cornerback, but special teams. I mean, other issues, you know, your, your backup cornerbacks need to serve other roles and be useful on the team. And uh, they need to get those guys back. Have you ever seen a player get in trouble off the field and not see at least one public statement about him that says, oh, this is really uncharacteristic? Um, I have a couple. Yeah, I've seen. I, I, do you remember uh, Robert Joseph? Yeah. No one was shocked. <laughs> no one said no one said that. No one said that about him. No. Oh. No, okay. it's yeah, it's the classic. Uh, he was such a quiet neighbor and he never caused any problems. But yeah, I mean, 
we'll just have to see. It's a, it's often a maturity battle with these guys and, and their recognition of what they actually have, the opportunity in front of them versus, you know, sometimes they're how they came up, you know, and yeah. they're going to have to figure out how to translate. One guy that will be coming is Xavier Bryce. He's a talented guy. He can run. We don't know his ability to pay, play corner. So anything, any projections on him are just guesswork, right? Um, Austin Jordan. Oh, yeah. Austin Jordan just put in a, another really good time in the, in the 100 meter, I believe. I, I can't remember what it was. Is he a corner? I think so. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm playing island corner in defending his ability as a corner, it seems like, at times. But uh, I think he can. Especially, um, especially in uh, Kwiatkowski's single high schemes, where you're playing a little more off coverage a lot of times. Yep. Um, I think he could definitely play field corner. They they will move him inside if they have to, but I I think he has the. I don't really understand why people think he can't play corner, because he has the uh, the pure speed for it, I believe. So I don't know what. Well, I, think, I mean, there's I, a. There's a quickness. Yeah. I mean, there's a quickness, there's reaction time. Like how many steps are you still shuffling backwards when the the receiver makes his break? How many steps does it take for you to take your first step forward? Um, you know, there's plenty of pure, ah, plenty of pure speed guys that can't play corner at all. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, that's an interesting projection. We'll see. We'll see. Here's, here's a, a doomsday. Here's a doomsday scenario. Oh no. What do you do when either Watts or Barron has to miss a game? Who's playing nickel? I mean, I know who's playing corner. If Watts goes out, it's Barron. But who's the point is who's playing nickel? Who's the backup nickel? Is, is it a safety? Is it Jaron Thompson? It's Michael Taff. Duh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, um, I was actually optimistic about Taff. Is that, am I saying that right? Is there should is there like a, a a T sound at the end or is it just Taff? I think it's Taff. Yeah, I saw him play in, in, at Westlake as a senior. He was really good, really good high school player. What I noticed about him in the spring game, though, I was actually a little discouraged. It felt like he lacks the reaction time and quickness that you're talking about to yeah. really stick to guys. So uh, I believe Jaron Thompson is probably the backup nickel. Um. I haven't seen him a lot there. He might be pretty good at it. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think actually, I think he's actually a pretty underrated player. We'll get to him in a second. But I, I haven't seen him at nickel to know if he can play like, a, you know, man coverage on a slot. And then Terrence Brooks is a guy that a lot of people have talked about as a potential nickel. Because um, he's big and thick and powerful. But um, we haven't seen a, a ton from him either. And I think boundary corner is definitely where they would prefer him to play if he can. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've never really, I've always thought that Tamarvion Overshone should be a nickel and just concede that you're going to need to play a safety over the top of him and make up for it with uh, blitzes off the edge and, a lot of physical play to the wide side of the field, like uh, that Notre Dame guy, Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa. Yeah. I feel like that's what Overshone should be trying to be. Um, 
he seems to be playing inside partly by necessity because they don't have a lot of inside linebackers. That seems like a potential natural position for him. I don't know if they're going to bump him outside though, you know, so. Yeah, I, I would say the downside of that is you are pretty much dictating your coverages to the opponent. But I mean, so, is no, so is Notre Dame when they Yeah, have- I mean, you're just counting on the disruption from that player on the edge, whether he's coming, whether he's dropping into coverage, whether he's, you know, actually going to walk up between the defensive linemen and come up, the, you know, I mean, it's sort of a wild card, but you, some of your coverages get very predictable, right? They do. They do. But, um, your blitzes get a little more nasty and unpredictable as well. I mean, if a guy is good enough at it, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think, uh, Kwiatkowski wants to be able to play man coverage on the slot and they have a really good guy for it, barring injury. So yeah, that's, that's what they'll do. I agree with you. Um, I almost wonder if sometimes they're trying, we're always trying to fashion a role for DeMarvian Overshone instead of just understanding that maybe you just need to play your defense. And he's, is he a special enough player, frankly, that you're, you should be fashioning a specific role for him that you build out the defense around? We, we, we may, we may talk about this more with Blackwell too, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's coming. Let's not, let's not bury the lead here. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like we haven't seen, um, because Overshone had a role that would have been really good for him as that Joker safety in the Orlando dime defense. Yeah, and he he was never healthy enough to own it. And when he played it very briefly, he looked potentially awesome at it. Well, if you even go back, do you remember how Charlie Strong used to play Jason Hall? Just as a box safety. Sort of, yeah, but almost like a nickel at times. Uh, But he was a a run support guy with some coverage flexibility. And, you know, Overshone is probably an upgraded version as an athlete. But, yeah, I guess my my larger point is, is he's shown himself to be so special as a football player that we're crafting a defense around the guy? I almost feel like he could be. I really do. It's just that they've never had the pieces – to set him up for success. Like yeah. you could, you could probably put him at boundary safety and not have him cover all that much and let him play downhill. But then you need a lockdown boundary boundary corner. Like I was talking about earlier and they haven't had that guy for Overshone's tenure. Um, you could play him in dime as like this Rover, but they gave up on dime when they fired Orlando for, you know, for justifiable causes. Plus yeah. he was hurt all the time. Anyway, playing him at linebacker, We'll see how it goes this year. We'll see how it goes this year. And I don't know exactly. I feel like they might try to craft some shenanigans for him this year too, honestly. But I I do think he could be special if his role was something like a race space, see ball, hit ball. Yeah. But you cannot do that unless you have coverage around a player like that to free them up. And they haven't had that. They might have it this year, but uh, um, now he's linebacker, so I don't know. Well, finding the right fit is crucial, whether it's your defense, or whether it's finding the right mortgage guy, Ian. And uh, all of our listeners have found the right fit. 
with Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095 or go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Unlike Mr. Overshone at times, Gabe is always ready to play and he's got great instincts. He's a really smart, he's a really smart, really sharp guy. Uh, he has a law degree, went to the University of Texas. He was a National Merit Scholar. Uh, beyond the plot, it's he's really hardworking. He really works hard for his clients. And he has access to 75 to 80 different lenders, not just one lender. And that makes all the difference when you're shopping for the best rates and, frankly, a market where you need every advantage that you can find. Contact Gabe Winslow. Let him be your market advantage at 832-557-1095. All right. Let's talk about the safety position. This is where it's, we're going to have a lot of unknowns and not sures. And if you don't have much on the guy, you could say pass. So we now have Fat Gear on our staff. Based on uh, seeing him at the All-Star game that he participated in, we, we might have a fat layer. Ian, Larry Turner Gooden. Uh, <laughs> Sporting a little bit of a muffin top at the All-Star game. Maybe not in the best football shape. And uh, I, I think since then, that's probably been corrected since he came to Texas. But uh, he's a guy that was certainly touted, but he doesn't have, I, I don't know. He seems like sort of an unproven commodity for the, the rankings that he got and the level of hype that he got. He, uh... I believe his early film, he was really good at that important skill you highlighted in a recent podcast of just getting downhill and finding the ball and making a tackle. Yep. And then he didn't play very much after that because he had injuries, which hints the, the weight the weight fluctuation. I'm actually optimistic that Larry Turner Gooden will uh, help solve the problem of lacking bodies at linebacker for the future. Oh, really? See, I, I don't necessarily think an out-of-shape safety is a linebacker. I think it's an out-of-shape safety. One man's trash is another man's treasure, Paul. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and I mean, Fat, Fat Garrett probably agrees with me. If, if your cornerback takes the summer off and eats a bunch of uh, candy every day and he shows up a little gut, I don't think that makes him a safety. You know what I mean? Well, you know. If he's a good tackler, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a good tackler at the candy store. Uh, all right, let's talk about a guy that was a good tackler in high school, showed some instincts, pretty well regarded recruits. And that is a young man named BJ Allen, number seven, number one in your hearts. He's from Alito. What do we know about BJ Allen? And does he have a chance to be a, a special early contributor? I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I watched one of his full games at Allen against uh, South Oak Cliff, and uh, he flashed. All of his flash plays were playing uh, Wildcat quarterback. Really? And so I watched that, and I was like, you know what? He has a willingness to take contact. He's good in the wash. He was pretty good at finding lanes, running lanes. I could I could see him. I felt like I got a better sense of his potential as a safety from his Wildcat quarterback plays than his safety play, which was mostly just him dropping back, seeing the ball go somewhere else, and not doing much of anything. Um, 
Well, that's, said, not really, I mean, that's not his fault, right? I mean. No, but he was just dropping into nowhere most of the time. He uh, he can cover ground some. He has some coverage ability. I think Kwiatkowski's schemes where the safeties are... Uh, Kwiatkowski prefers to have a man coverage corner at nickel, and which just frees up the safeties a lot to not have to cover as much ground. Um, and uh, he often played big safeties at Washington that were like... Uh, that could get down in the box. Um, I think he's a good fit for that scheme. I, I think he might be a really good player, but I don't see like I, I just I just have on his film and from his time at Texas, which has really shown very little so far. I don't see this like I don't see like an Earl Thomas. I don't see a uh, 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 Michael Griffin or a Michael Huff. I don't I don't know I don't know what he's supposed to be that has garnered the some of the hype. What about Blake Gideon? Yeah, he could do that. Well, right. I mean, maybe. All right. Let's talk about a guy that we probably do have a little more confidence in. At least he's a more proven commodity as a tackler, as a guy who takes the playbook and the, the, the team and the game seriously. That's Anthony Cook. He's a guy that has been around Texas, started as a corner. He came in with that Houston Lamar class. And... You know, he's traveled around. He played slot last year. You you described how he played slot last year exactly right. He always had a cover. However, that said, that really freed him to be aggressive. And he was he did a good job setting the edge. He did a really good job against screens. Uh, I, I think he did a good job. I really do. Um, you know, he's not a huge guy. But, um, you know, sometimes I just I remember a number of negative plays on on screens on on different sorts of you know uh, quick flips to the to wide receiver where Cook came up and made a sure tackle and made a great play. Uh, I think he was better against those screens than against the run. Mm. Pro- probably because he has um, some background in fighting screens as a corner. But uh, yeah, I I remembered him being exceptional in the front half of the season. And then they hardly played him in the back half of the year, which had a lot of people second guessing the staff. Uh, when I but when I rewatched some of those games, like TCU in particular, where he had some really big plays, he uh, I don't think he was very good on the edge against the run. Mm. Um, very inconsistent there, and so I think that's partly why they thought base defense and Ovia Gofu was a better option there down the stretch. They also kind of had to because uh, Alfred Collins became the end and Alfred Collins was not really an edge guy. But um, I don't know. Cook, to me, I thought he would be better than he has been. Um, If he were supplanted at safety this season, it would not shock me or in the fall. I think he's a solid player. He knows the playbook well because he's been around for a long time. I don't think he's really a special difference maker. No, I don't think he is. I think solid starter would suffice based on the safety play from last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I anticipate him to be the starter in September. Whether that holds, uh, we'll have to see. I don't know. Unless, right. well, uh, as we go through it, you can tell me who it's going to be. Okay. All right. Here's another guy. Katon Crawford. So people 
were very optimistic and positive about about Crawford as just a pure athlete when he was at corner. A lot of people were saying he was kind of turning heads. Uh, Tyler, John Tyler, so Justin Wells loves him. What do we expect out of Katon Crawford as a safety? Because frankly, and this is where maybe Anthony Cook has an advantage over some of these other guys, almost in a Blake Gideon, Dylan Haynes sense. Absolutely. John Crawford is a better athlete who didn't really know what he was doing, based on my view. Yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts? The same. I think he comes downhill. He has a – he's one of the closer guys I've seen in a while to having Earl Thomas's ability to show up at places in, in a timing that is rare. Mm-hmm. Just um, That was really just a convoluted way of saying he runs fast downhill. <laughs> Um, and he hits and he's willing and he can tackle. Uh, I don't know what, I guess it's just a matter of how quickly they can get him up to speed in his assignments. And if that's a, uh, if that's faster, I think he'll end up playing because he's just a better athlete than the other guys. And, uh, if he can't figure out where to be, then he won't be there. So, yeah. What about JD coffee? Soft coffee. I thought would win that job. I think Coffee is natural. He's had a little more time there. He's probably not um, – he's not as track fast as Keaton Crawford, but he plays fast. You wouldn't guess from watching him in his limited snaps at Texas that he's uh, that he would lack anything in speed. He, uh, he definitely plays fast. He's good around the box. Um, he was really good as a single deep safety in high school. I would have bet – on him winning the free safety job before he was injured and before uh, Keaton Crawford kind of emerged in spring. And uh, I still think there's a decent chance that he could win that job. Do you find his play similar or at least his, I mean, at least his frame, do you find him similar to Jaron Thompson, another East Texas guy from Lufkin? Yeah, I think he might find the ball a little better than Jaron Thompson. Mm. But uh, I actually think Jaron Thompson is a pretty good downhill safety as well. I think he got a bad rap last year because of Texas is such a mess up front that closing with speed and expecting the ball to be leveraged to where you were running all out was uh, just a bad bet for Texas defensive backs last year. Like if you, if the faster you ran downhill to help clean up the run, the more likely that you were going to be made to look stupid when somebody made a mistake in front of you and gave the ball carrier a two-way go and let them juke your socks off when you're trying to change speed at 20 miles an hour, you know? That so, happened many times. Lot. It's a very lot. difficult. When, when a safety can run to the spot where they know they have run support, it's a world of difference between that and like open-endedness. Of like, ooh, the running back's going to burst through here somewhere. I don't know where. Let me kind of run forward and stand flat-footed and wait. Uh, you know, despite what we can see, just newsflash for all of us, you have to remind, I have to remind myself of this sometimes. The players on the field are not watching our camera view. So we see the whole opening and the running back surging. They see a bunch of flashing colors, and then they see something pop open. And if it's happening in unexpected places because someone up front screwed up, 
it can really make a safety look like an asshole. Yeah, we've seen all too much of that in the last several years. Yeah. I, I will say something about the safeties. And actually, I'll do this at the end because I want to get to the end here. And then we can kind of do a, a summary. And that is a guy who did flash in the spring game, at least in run support or just as a hitter. Maurice Blackwell, sophomore from Arlington, he dropped wood on a couple of dudes. He demonstrated a real willingness for contact. And beyond that, he had the leverage and just the natural pop to deliver hits. He was punishing. He was aggressive. We're so starved of seeing that from a safety that I think people got really excited. And they might have missed the fact that he's not necessarily would be a strength in coverage. So how do you play that? And how do you, if, if you do have a... Jade Barron freeing you up at nickel a little bit. Can can Texas have Maurice Blackwell on the field just as a tackler and as a punisher? Maybe. Yeah. I, so so I think what they want to do is uh, I think they want for Ryan Watson the boundary to be a cover two corner one play, throwing a jam and then playing the edge in the run, blitzing the edge another play. Showing press and then dropping, bailing out with no safety help on another play. Playing press coverage with or without a safety on yet another play, right? I think they want to use him to create a lot of confusion and versatility. And so for that, you kind of want the safety over him to just be a good all-around player that can do a lot of different things. Um Blackwell, I just don't know if Blackwell is going to be able to uh, master all the different things that would really unlock that. I think this is probably what that and potential potentially being good as a single high safety, which I don't really, it's hard to evaluate these guys on that because of TV angles. But those are the two things that would, for me, make Anthony Cook a decent chance to be a starter. That and communicating what everyone's supposed to do to everyone else. So that's so a one, big part. Versatility, being able to know your assignment in multiple different roles is a, is a potential bright spot for Anthony Cook. Two, um, communicating those same roles to everybody else. And then three, if he's a good single high post safety, then he'll end up starting if all those things are true. Yeah. But um, there's one other guy that I think could steal that job from him, which is Jaron Thompson if he loses the free safety job and they don't need him at nickel. Uh, all that to say, Blackwell, that doesn't leave a lot of room for Blackwell. It, it, the boundary safety would be like an obvious spot for him, but I just don't, I don't think he's got enough tools. He's another guy like Overshone, which we said earlier, if he could play like a nickel linebacker role mm-hmm. where his job was basically uh, fit the run and Beat blocks, not space. I think Blackwell could be good at that, but that they don't, they don't. That position doesn't exist in this defense right now. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I they wanted him to be linebacker, right? But yeah. He looks like he looks like he's really wiry, and so his journey there may take uh, a lot of cheeseburgers and a lot of time. Do you think being a linebacker is just? 
getting a safety to be overweight. This this is a recurring theme of yours. Yeah, that's all. That's all you have to do. Okay. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of can that safety eat enough cheeseburgers, Paul? If if Ronnie Lott had only been There's... willing to gain thirty five pounds, Ian, imagine how good he. What, imagine what the career he could have had. Or he could learn coverage too. I guess that's another. He could lay off the cheeseburgers and learn how to play angles in space. Yeah. But I don't know his. Yeah, I don't know. Gary Patterson would seem to take the guys that were uh, quick thinkers and uh, stockier, and he would play them down there. And he didn't even necessarily care if they ate enough cheeseburgers to get that heavy. Yeah. He just would get them real strong with the heavy weights and teach them to play. Uh, Now you're getting me excited. So that is an observation I need to make about the safeties, particularly last year. Some of that's... I'll grant it there there were younger guys, they're not necessarily huge guys, all that. They were physically weak, Ian. And and there are aspects to the angles and knowing where your help is and all that. They got run through on several occasions. Or they got blocked by wide receivers. And generally speaking, that is, uh, although we, on our offense, we want our wide receivers to be able to block a safety, right? Particularly Nayor or somebody like that. It's one of those things on defense. If you're sitting in the film room and you're getting blocked by a wide receiver and you're a safety, it's not going to be a fun experience for you. What would you say you do here? Yeah. And yeah. that's not allowed, right? You're supposed to be more aggressive. You're supposed to be tougher, meaner, stronger, everything. The, the safeties were just weak, physically weak. I don't mean they're soft, and that's a very different criticism. When someone says, this guy's soft, what they mean is they don't want contact. I saw safeties willing to make contact and then get run through <laughs> or get pushed around. And that's a that's an observation I've made in some other areas of this program. And so if, if uh, our S&C program wants to get my confidence, I want to see not new guys, like Blackwell, who obviously brings his own pop, right? I want to see some of those guys who were deficient show me they're better tacklers, that they're physically stronger, that they're more robust. Is that a is that a fair expectation? Yeah, it's always something with Texas. You know, with uh, with um, Herman and uh, Yancey, what was it, McKnight? What was, that? Yan- what was his name? Yeah, Yancey McKnight. Yeah, guys would gain weight and power and functionality and aggressiveness and then it would be wasted on the worst tackling techniques that have ever been taught (laughs) so like they would turn these guys into big like missiles yeah and then they would they would they would shoot them like old world war ii drop it and hope it lands in the right spot ordinance yeah it was weird to watch texas physically manhandle a, a Georgia uh, or, or a Utah, right? Which was a very yeah. physical team. Yeah. And and then they'd get worked over and out-strategized and out-tacticked out uh, by an inferior group of athletes, you know, off to yes. the Big 12, right? It's very frustrating. And people would blame Yancey oh, they're too big or they're, you know, and it's like, no, that's not really, there's some other stuff going on here. Now, 
Should Yancey, should they have had a nutritionist? And there's no reason to get Keontae Ingram up to 235 in the offseason, right? Uh, but, you know, I don't really buy that. I think you nailed it. I think there was some tackling issues. I think there was some instructional issues. And, you know, it's, as you said, that seems that there, there's always seems to be something. And either Texas needs to get some of that fixed, or you just need to recruit such an overwhelming group of athletes or have such huge positives in other areas that those little somethings just don't matter as much. Right. Yeah. If I were a gambling man, I would have made money on the last three Tom Herman bowl games. I remember going on with some, uh, or doing a, like a email exchange with some Georgia bloggers before that game. And I was like, yeah, I really don't see this for you guys. I think you're going to drop this one. And they're like, wait, really? And I was like, yes, Texas is going to beat you. They're, this is not, you're not the kind of team that's going to beat this squad. Yeah. And Utah and Colorado, oh my gosh, I knew going into those games that those were going to be cakewalks from watching those teams. And then with the players that like Utah was missing, you know, yeah. uh, well, the lines so of those. Apparently that's Colorado where you make money in college yeah, Colorado was both conventional and bad. They and that's, that, that's a bad combination, right? But they were like four and one. They played like five games and they were four <laughs> and one. So, so people, oh, they won't. COVID was team. killing athletes right and left, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> they had to cancel those games. It was oh, praise gosh. on healthy, young 20-year-olds. Um, if we've learned anything. That's right. Yeah, the, the funny thing that I always laugh about is, and one of the things that's wrong about Texas that even our fans get wrong is the recurring thing of Texas is soft, right? And it's like, no, actually, if you want to play Texas smash mouth very conventionally, you're going to line up in the eye and you're going to power guys. Um, Texas, you know, usually is not soft. And now I have seen, obviously, Texas get tricked, right? Which is the Oklahoma version of their running game on Texas when they you know, against Todd Orlando by alignment, they basically have a touchdown run, right? Because we couldn't even line up correctly. Uh, but, you know, when a, a team says, we're going to power, you know, Georgia, we're going to show you SEC might, I was like, bring it on. You know, Texas will be fine. And just please don't, like, do tactics and strategy and, and like, <laughs> isolate our weaknesses. That's where we struggle. Yeah, Pe people are not going to want to hear this, but, those Tom Herman teams did not lack strength. They never, they never quit. No, they always, they always played hard. Yeah. And I, you can't, and they didn't get blown out. And that's they I think played, some of that, they played dumb and hard. Some of that was Sam Ellinger too, but yeah, it was true for the team either way. And Sark's teams last year, you cannot say that about them. They lacked power. They did look like they quit at times. End and of they the got, season. Yeah, end of the season. I, I yeah, don't think that I'm not I'm not worried yet that that's going to be a, re a recurring theme. But it absolutely last year. I, I think that they lost their will and they did not play hard in games. It was pretty apparent. Yeah, that'll be one of the little signals I'll be looking for. That's not objective. That's not necessarily easily defined, right? And it's one of those little things that I'll be looking for. To, to predict not only the season, but Sark's future, because it's, it's important, right? There's, if you have a pretty good program and pretty good talent and you just keep fighting, 
you you find a way typically in the second half or something to get a couple of breaks that you get right back in the game. And, you know, Texas doesn't play talented enough opponents that they should ever be out of these games. Alabama accepted, obviously. Yeah. That was um, one thing. Uh, people always want to believe that you hear this a lot that like, oh, you can't, you have to coddle the modern athlete. You can't, uh, you can't be hard nosed. Authoritarian coaches are a thing of the past. Uh, I, that doesn't seem to be the problem with Herman because those guys, your players may or may not love you, but if they're worried about what happens if they don't play hard because of their spot or to their privileges or something, they will apparently play hard. They respond to it. So they have to eat spam. Yeah. They have to eat spam or, or, or uh, yeah, runny eggs or whatever. Because they didn't pee clear. <laughs> it worked, man. I, I don't think that stuff was the problem. I really don't. Yeah, I think it was more just caveman approach to football and Herman being a little bit of a... There's a lot of other issues. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just say there's a lot of other issues. Uh, all right, Ian, that's the DBs. Uh... I Let's feel a uh, little better about this group, but I think safety, I can see the upside at corner yeah. despite the lack of depth. Yeah. I can see the potential at nickel. I'm just a little concerned. I don't know that safety will look like last year, but I don't see huge upside at safety. Do you? Uh, no. I think if Crawford figures it out between now and the season, then maybe yes. Yeah. I think probably a, a more likely scenario is that they uh, they play much better, tighter coverage because of the addition of Watts and because of playing a nickel corner mm-hmm. other than a nickel safety. Um, and then they task their safeties, maybe Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson, with just, uh, hey, don't let anything really bad happen. Yeah. And that's their and that's their job. And then they trust the linebackers playing behind a big, powerful defensive line to do the real heavy lifting in terms of tackles. <laughs> you have a look on your face right now where you're like, oh, I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean that's I, the, I think that I think that's the plan though. So I I have another plan. Yeah. <laughs> Score lots of points, and then try to find try to find a pass rush. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm whatever on the pass rush. I think <laughs> I don't think they're gonna have a great pass rush this year. I'm just don't worry about that. Oh, okay. Just just uh, play really sound defense as a unit. Don't give up anything easy. And make the other team outscore a really, really good offense. And that's that's a good that's that's a bar that Oklahoma failed to clear while winning championships. You're absolutely right. And you know what? That's what makes me feel makes me feel pretty good about the chances because a lot of Texas fans think every star has to align to play good football. But if you have an one overwhelming unit, and frankly, preferably the offense, because we've had overwhelming defenses and and stank. Uh, you can go win some games. Now, 
you're not going to be bulletproof. And if you run into the wrong opponent, it can get real ugly real fast. But you could have, you could play entertaining football and you can kick some people's asses. And I think Texas fans more than anything want to see that. So you've made me feel better about the DBs, Ian. You've done a good job. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be held responsible if the season doesn't go well. Well, if, so. if the DBs give up a lot of, you know, if it's a really, if they have a high passing efficiency rating against them and they don't get any interceptions, they don't have any turnovers, uh, you know, I'm going to refer to this podcast and call you out. It's going to be your fault. Great. Awesome. This should be, this should be okay. They actually, they weren't even good last year and they didn't give up big passing plays. Nope. They, they just didn't. gave up, uh, they gave up big running plays. Which and, I, lots, I don't, and, and lots of third lots. down conversions. Third down conversions were that's the thing if that's the thing that they have to fix this year. And it wasn't even like when I when I went back and and, and rewatched some it wasn't even the pass rush was not great obviously, but it wasn't even the pass rush. A lot of times it was just that the first reads open, the linebacker doesn't even know the right doesn't know how to play drop cover 3. So yeah, they got they got to fix that. That's really, they should be very fixable to play coherent pass defense with like a gazillion returning starters and upperclassmen. All right. Should, shouldn't be that hard. They should be decent. Tackle, get off the field, if, let the offense score points. If they're not decent at playing team pass defense next year, I'm going to ask anyone with sources to dig in and find out what sort of cluster is going on in the staff room. Yeah. Because that'll be, that's the only reason that they should suck so bad again in team pass defense is if, is as if they're like vacillating between a million different philosophies and ideas every week. And Gary Patterson and Kwiatkowski are shouting at each other <laughs> and, and you know, whatever, whatever else is going wrong. So. All right. Sage wisdom. We'll look for that. Ian, I appreciate it. You did a great job. And uh, it's an area of the team I'm really looking forward to seeing because I, I'm i really confident about a lot of positions on this football team, some of which some people are uncertain about. But DB, I'm interested to see. I want, I want to be pleasantly surprised, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, Ian. Thanks, buddy. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. It's hard out there right now in the real estate world. I've told you you need to arm yourself with the best mortgage broker possible. Well, you also need to arm yourself with the best realtor possible. And that's whether you're a buyer or a seller. Well, there's one person you can call that we know can help you. Her name is Laura Baker. She's a member of the award-winning Andy, Andy Allen team at Keller Williams, and she's great at what she does. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Reach out to her, get a consultation. If you're looking to sell, get the comps figure out the lay of the land, figure out the market, and figure out how to strategize your next best move. It's worth the time. Give her a call. 512-784-0505. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. 
David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call.